0: Hello and welcome to the words we use. Have you ever struggled with finding the right words to give meaning, depth, and clarity to your message? We have, and that's exactly what we're going to examine. Come along with us as we expand our communication knowledge. T-W-W-U team, please introduce yourselves.
1: Hi, I'm
0: Pat. Hi, I'm Sue. Hi, I'm
2: Sarah. Hi, I'm Carissa. Hi, I'm Bill. Hi, I'm Lisa.
0: Hi, I'm Gary. And, and we, we are, are the Word Word and Word Word
2: Word. Word. my name's Carissa. I will be speaking about positive and negative language. Usually with positive and negative language, a lot of people have a tendency of thinking, oh well, if you're more positive, of stating that I will do this and I will accomplish things and I'm a good person and that is a type of positive language but I'm what I'm really talking is about is how we communicate with each other how more positive words are easier to understand and usually are more straightforward positive language has the potential of telling the recipient what can be done instead of what can't be done that usually provides a little more clarity of oh I'm more willing to work with you if I know what I can do instead of what I can't do. Since a lot of times there are people out there that don't like to be told what they can, more what they can't do. With that, um, has anyone kind of had that situation where someone has told you, you can't do this, and then it's like, well, well, that means I have to do this.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I tend to, I notice that I have t- that tendency to say, oh, yes, I can.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'll find a way. With positive phrases and languages, it's a suggestion of alternative choices available to the recipient. It's the idea of saying, no, you can't do this, but in a more positive way of, well, I understand this is right. what you would like to do. Instead, we can... These are the options that we have. Instead of saying, well, you, well, you can't have that, and that's that. You can suggest these are the things that we have. What would you like? Sorry. And it generates more involvement as it sounds uh, more friendly instead of hostile, as opposed to negative languages, which has has a tendency of having a tone of blame or maybe a little belittling, if anyone has felt that from someone, of, oh, well, I'm so sorry, you can't do that, kind of talking of down to someone. And I actually would like to know, Sue, being that you work with children, is there is that kind of language that you use with younger people?
1: Definitely. Mm-hmm. We um, try to be as affirmative as possible, and if they want to have snack now, we'd say, what a great idea. We'll have snack when music is done. So, trying to praise their efforts for speaking up and then also avoiding saying no, but later. Right. They usually just wait it out because that's no time for right. when you're done with their temper tantrum, then we'll go on to art or whatever. So, mm-hmm. but once they're done with that, trying by being positive, using the positive rather than negative. Now, not why do you always ask so many questions, but You are one curious child. Mm -hmm. Let me see. How can we answer that? So finding the positive about their behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, You like to touch people a lot. Hmm, I wonder if people like you touching them. Let's ask. So trying to frame their behavior in a positive or at least an acknowledging way rather than a negative way. Another
2: thing like the difference between a negative phrasing and a positive phrasing would be um, we're not a negative phrasing would be we're not used to such a constant supervision and a positive one would be we are we are used to working on our own so it doesn't put a blaming tone on another person because they're probably just doing their job and it's like oh it's not you but we're just not used to this and to kind of accept that it's a change that you're uncomfortable with instead. Another thing would be multiple negatives. This is not to say that the proposal is not without merit. It's like, what? What are you saying to me? So do you like it or do you not like it? Who knows? I don't know. And instead you could probably say the proposal lacks merit. Straightforward, that's it. So you know what they're saying. For me personally, when there are multiple negatives in a sentence, it gives me a sense of not trusting the other person. And I'm wondering if anyone else has had that experience, or maybe they're trying to kind of like sneak something in, like they really want something else. And they're just trying to like, oh, like maybe, maybe not, who knows? Kind of a wishy-washy type of speaking. I'm not sure if I lack trust, but...
3: When they're not clear, I get confused, so I'm not actually sure what they're saying. Mm -hmm. I think that's the bigger issue. If they do it all the time, maybe I wouldn't trust them. But if it's just one example or whatever, I would ask to clarify, what do you mean?
2: Yeah, and that could be pretty frustrating.
0: When somebody's that deliberate, when they make a statement like that, it's almost like they're leaving themselves an out so that if you get upset, They can turn around and say, oh, no, you misunderstood me. I've had managers do that to me. Otherwise, they're just trying to sound important, make you look dumb. If you can't understand what I'm saying. Do
3: you have the feeling that maybe they're testing the waters to see maybe how, how far they could push you a little bit?
0: Yeah, I got that sense at times, not always. Other times I thought it was a deliberate thing, trying to confuse me so that pretty much no matter what I did, I was wrong. But that's just the cynical me. I have heard people talk like that, especially politicians and salesmen. I hate to single them out, but they earned it.
3: Yep, that's true. I remember meeting, I forget what he was running for. It was a politician. I spoke to him for 20 minutes. I got so frustrated because by the end of it, all I knew was that he had a couple of daughters and lived in Edina. I didn't know anything about what his views were. I didn't know if he was Democrat or Republican. Basically, he was so careful. It was like listening to fog. My thought was, well, if you can't stand up for what you believe, there's no way I'm going to vote for you.
2: Another one would be the more positive tone. For negative tones, it's the sound of being blameful or putting someone else down. This is for both for writing and for speaking to other people. That It gives them a more friendly tone, so it makes them want to work with you a little bit more. It's easier for them to come to a compromise instead of just being snobbish. Like, no, this is just how it is, and I'm not going to move on this because you're being a jerk. I'm sure a lot of people have met people that they, it's not necessarily the words that they say, but the tone in which they say it, whichever word they emphasize can rub you the wrong way has anyone had that moment when someone was belittling them or you felt like they were belittling but when you look back at the words they said it was more of a straightforward
1: sentence definitely how you use your voice Mm -hmm. and your attitude when you're using those words can definitely make make for mixed messages or not understanding or taking it the wrong way and that's where it's really good to remember to say, hmm, is this how you meant for me to understand this? Or what was the information? But it's good to think about the words before you even react, because you want to make sure that you're not turning that into your reaction into a negative situation either.
2: There are times when your emotions kind of cloud your judgment. You just have to take that step back. Like, oh, well, what do they actually say? Instead of what do they mean? Because they could have had a bad day or they're just a loud person and that's just how they are.
4: There's one commentator on TV, uh, Rachel Maddow, if anybody watches MSNBC. And she says, don't listen to what they say, watch what they do. And when I've had people do that, it's usually they might have more direct eye contact and it's their body language. They might lean into you more. So it's a little more confrontational. There, or there's their body stance. If they have their hand on their hip, their body language says it all too. Whereas if it's friendly, it's more of a reaching out gesture, maybe more hands. You can tell by the smile on their face. Watch what they do. Yeah, that's true.
2: And unfortunately, I'm the one of the people that have um, what's called RBF, which is resting bee face. And I think a lot of pe- a lot of times people don't get that. I'm not upset or I'm not being rude.
4: It's just my face. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've had performance reviews where people, my coworkers think I'm angry, but I'm really, I've got so much in my head that I have to think about that I'm focusing on trying to remember everything. I'm not angry. I've got things on my mind anyway.
2: I think the last thing for the difference between positive and negative language is the conciseness. For example, a lot of time a positive sentence works out to be shorter than a negative. And whenever you can say something with fewer words, you should. Because then it doesn't lead to the confusing statements like, this is not to say that the proposal is not without merit. Just say the proposal has no merit. More than likely, you could say, like, could you ask them to turn the music down as a more direct, positive? There's nothing to read into what you're saying, as opposed to, could you ask them if they wouldn't mind turning the music down a little? Because that gives them the option of, well, we do mind, so we're not. I think, especially when you are asked for being a supervisor. Previously, I've learned that have positive language usually gets things done quicker because if you give the option to them that, oh, well, I have time to do that later, then they will choose that option. Pat, has that happened to you in your work
4: experience? Oh, yes. Working with multicultural people, if I want something done, I have to emphasize when. In the afternoon, now and if it's urgent i have to say with my hands now i have to use my body language because sometimes it's hard and it's usually the it's the african countries it's hard for the concept of now immediately now and especially if it's an urgent situation like if a patient has fallen or if it's a critical thing i really have to focus on now i mean one time we were in the middle of a fire drill and The nurse's aide was feeding a resident, not understanding, put the fork and the food down, you need to come, we're on a drill. And I had to literally tell her three times, raising my voice each time, but I had to definitely say the word now to emphasize. So I find when I'm speaking to my workers, I have to choose my words carefully, use fewer words, like you said, don't get too talkative, and explain it directly to something they can understand and not that they're not intelligent that's not it it's the words because sometimes they have a hard time translating what I'm saying because they're speaking French or um, their own own languages so they're trying to decipher it in their head so that's that's the issue
1: I would say that's very true of young children too (laughs) they are learning the English language when you ask them would you mind turning down the music instead of you need to turn down the music if they're playing with the ball inside the house please play with the ball outside yeah. so just using positive and gestures also are very helpful for children who are learning language too because they're such visual people as we all are well most of us
2: Has anyone else had like in their relationships then noticed that If you explain something a little too much, it gets harder to get things
1: done or to understand each other. Absolutely, with my husband, if it's shorter, (laughs) the shorter that you can explain it, the sooner he will understand and either do it or let me know that he can't do it or that he'll do it later. Yeah. So I definitely agree with that because it's just like blah, 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 blah. They want you to give them the information and mm-hmm. not go into too much explanation.
2: And that's funny because I actually have the opposite because my my husband, he likes to explain why my son can't leave the refrigerator open. Oh, there's, you're wasting energy. It's not appropriate. And all this goes on and on and on. And during this whole entire time, the refrigerator door, is still open. And instead of just saying, close the, close the refrigerator door and just leave it at that.
4: I was in a relationship with a man and, and if we had a disagreement or I felt like I wanted to talk about something that was bothering me, he would go into a three hour explanation and I'm not making this up, three hour explanation. And then it would go back and forth and back and forth. And it was like, I was so exhausted. What, all I wanted was like Carissa close the refrigerator door, and it ends in a three-hour, two-hour thing, you know. And it's like it wore me down. It just wore me down. Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing it myself. Right. Quite a fact is cat boxes. Finally, after explaining five different ways and, and times on how to clean a cat box, I just end up doing it myself. That was think- the end of the relationship. <laughs>
3: I had a sister who never quite knew how to do anything (laughs) that I would end up having. Maybe that was what you were running
4: into. Right. Right. Or, or just didn't want to do it. Exactly.
0: When I was coaching, we'd go to these seminars every winter and get some training from college coaches. And one thing that stuck with me is when you're talking to the kids, tell them what you want them to do. Let them try doing it. Correct them if necessary. Then once they're doing it, explain why it's important. Okay. Because now they can associate what you're trying to explain with the action.
4: Good point. Good point.
2: I don't think the word no is a bad word. I think if you just say no without explanation, I think that's when you kind of get into trouble a little bit. Yeah. And without knowing why you can't do something is for me personally, it's very frustrating because if I really want to do something and I'm asking for help, it's, oh, no, you can't do that. It's like, and then leave it at that. It's like, well, why can't I? Do I have to figure this out on my own? Or do you have tips? How can I improve? So that's when I think no gets you into a, a little trouble if it's just no, and then that's it.
0: You can't say no anymore. You have to say, Well I'll have to think about it. You gotta give a roundabout way of turning people down and you're actually leading them on. And then they say, Well, what conclusion did you come to? You know, I'm gonna have to get back to you on that. Sorry, I forgot.
1: It's kind of a waste of time when you can't say no.
0: Yes, it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So what are some positive ways or what what is a way to say no that you're comfortable with? Maybe just no. what you
4: said. I'm not comfortable with that, so I'm going to decline. Or, if you, I mean, if you're uncomfortable about it or it goes against your ethics, mm-hmm. then I would just say, I, I'm not comfortable with that, whatever the reason, and I can't do that. I had to say that to my boss one time, and it was over a, a medical ethical issue actually about nursing protocol. She didn't follow the nursing protocol, and she wanted me to do this thing, and I went, no, that's not appropriate. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I need to follow the protocol.
0: Carissa, when you were in military, how many times did you say no to your superiors? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: I use the word no, not very often, but I, there were times where I would say that I am unable to do that for you at this time. So it's a different way of saying no without saying no, to be more respectful. And I know with little kids, depending on their situation, if they're having a tantrum, you can't really follow up with with why you can't do something because they're having a tantrum. So you just have to wait, and hopefully they'll listen at the end of it when they calm down.
0: I can't for the life of me remember any of my coaches when I was younger, growing up, saying, please, Gary, do it like this. (laughs) They were pretty much direct about what they wanted me to do. Mm -hmm. and if I couldn't do it they'd find somebody else who could
4: right is that a male male type thing like a sports thing or where males talk more directly but male to female has to be more indirect
0: it could be it could be I had to be very careful how I talked to the girls that I coached I couldn't have talked to them the way I was coached in League of Their Own Tom Hanks yells at one of his players there's no crying in baseball (laughs) well there's plenty of crying in fast- fit softball for girls. You had to be careful how you instructed them. You mm-hmm. can't make them feel like they did anything wrong. Just you had to put it in such a way that there was a better way to do it. What you did was good, but now try it like this. I carried that over to the workplace because I work with a lot of women who didn't like being told what to do by men. Even if it was a request, a polite request, it was taken as a direct order. I had to be very careful. And I wasn't even a manager this is just a coworker.
3: I find that if you can't just say no, if you get into too much of an explanation, people will fight back. It's like, well, no, I've got to do this today. Well, I've got a, somebody might say, well, it's not on your calendar. If it's like somebody in my family or, you know, it's like, you can't get too involved in the explanation or else people will find holes in your explanation. Oh. So it's like, no, that's not going to work right now, period good of an
4: explanation or too detailed, then you're in trouble. I found that to be true as well with my co-workers, the people that work under me. It's better if I just leave it a simple directive or a simple explanation. And kind of like what Gary said too, have them do it and explain a little bit. And then after they've done it, then go back and explain the reason why. That seems to be quite effective.
0: There's one thing that Sort of a pet peeve of mine is that nowadays, when you say something, especially in writing, it's gotta be please and thank you. Please do this. Like earlier today, sir, I sent you and Bill a text. All I wanted to say was check your email, but I couldn't leave it at that. I had to say, please check your email. Otherwise it'll be interpreted like I'm giving you a direct order and who am I to be telling you what to do? If you even notice that with verbal communication, you have to be nice. Why do we always have to say please?
1: That's what we were taught. Yeah. That's what I was taught by my parents anyway. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: From my experience in the military, everyone, male and female, were spoken to essentially the same way. And it also depended upon the individual because there was a lot of crying in basic training and is mainly you're away from your family and your friends and you're getting yelled at pretty much every day for something. If you're doing a good job, you get yelled at. If you're doing a bad job, you're getting yelled at. And it's just very emotional. An order, then explanation, like Gary said. It's kind of the way that I grew up hearing and speaking to because my family was in the army and we moved around. When I officially got out of the military, it wasn't easy speaking to people that were just straight civilians from birth to, to adulthood, because uh-huh. I would ask directly, explain this is what I need. This is when I need it. And they would take it as like, oh, well, you're not a friendly person. Well, I'm a friendly person, but I need to get things done. Let's work together. I don't know if anyone else has that issue or if you've had that another other mil- military person that's spoken that way or just a person in general i personally like when people are more direct mm-hmm.
3: if people are kind of doing it in a roundabout way i feel manipulated mm-hmm. but if they just tell me this is what i want this is what i need then i have a clear picture and
1: there's a way to tell people that with in a friendly right Using whether the you right say out. sure yeah, or whether you say, hi, how's it going today? Well, this mm-hmm. is what I need now. This is why I need it. I'm hoping you can do that. And I don't even know if that's appropriate to say at the end of it. I'm hoping you can do that.
2: Mm-hmm. That's true. Or you could say, like, do you think you have time in your schedule? To do that today or tomorrow? I need to know so I can work on something else
1: mm-hmm. if need
2: be. And I know in the beginning of um, My relationship with my husband, that was a very weird thing that we had to get past because he had a tendency of asking, is that really what you want? And I was very confused because it's like, of course, it's what I want. That's what I asked for. So why wouldn't that be what I wanted? And I don't know if anyone else had that in other relationships, thinking that there's something between the lines of what they're saying. And maybe that's what it kind of feels like they're wanting something else or being manipulative.
1: Oh, yes. That has happened to me with Craig, and we've talked about it, and it certainly has made a difference. I don't question. I know sometimes he teases, and so I don't know whether to believe him or not, but I pretty much just say I'm going to believe you, and if you want to tease, that's fine, but I'm not going to try to figure out when when you're teasing and when you're not. I'm just assuming you're not.
0: I had a manager who was maybe just the opposite of what you're talking about. I was in a meeting one time with him. I was his group leader. And somebody at the meeting asked me if I could do something because I was a programmer, did applications and software called Lotus Notes. I thought about it for a second or two, and then I started explaining the problems that I might have. And my boss, Walt, interrupted and said, yes, we can do that. And I opened my eyes and I looked at him and, okay... And afterward, I asked him why he did that. He said, we can take care of it. Don't worry about it. Well, I tried, and it, it just wasn't going to work. Not the way they wanted it done. And he said, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> he didn't care whether we could actually do it. He was just going to be agreeable.
2: Did he last long in the company? or?
0: Sure he did. <laughs> he was a plant manager um. out in Rapid City before he came out to Minneapolis here. And he retired mm-hmm. from Seagate. He died a few years after retiring, but he was an older guy and he'd worked his whole life.
4: Wow,
2: that's, um, that's kind of the overview of positive and negative language.
0: Thank you for listening to the words we use. Own your voice and make your words matter. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and review.